Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host, Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odi Odorizzi. Today, we're going to be breaking down the 2023 Singapore Grand Prix. We're going to be talking about Carlos Sainz finally taking a W and how Ferrari outplanned Mercedes on this race. We'll be talking about Liam Lawson's success and how it's adding more complexities to AlphaTauri's driver pairings. Where do we go from uh, here, uh, you know, Liam? And we'll wrap up with, uh, you know, talking about Red Bull and a weekend to forget for them. And where do we go for here from here for them? Chris, what's up? Uh, finally, a smooth operation for Ferrari. Uh, great race by them. It was, uh, you know, an amazing, it was an amazing weekend in the sense that, like, it was all up at the air from, from day one. And it was nice to actually see uh, Ferrari and amongst other teams actually... Uh, have some good strategy and put in a good race. So curious what your thoughts are on the, uh, on the whole uh, Ferrari out in the front. Yeah. I mean, we say Ferrari, but we really mean as Carlos signs yep. uh, and he absolutely put everything that he had into this weekend. He qualified incredibly well and just took that momentum into the race itself, which is something that, you know, quite frankly, one of the big, uh, pitfalls of Ferrari is transitioning from qualifying to the race day and, you know, continuing that success. Um, Great work by him, you know, outmaneuvered both Mercedes and out strategized his own, his own team at a certain point, his team didn't even really know what he was doing and he had to reassert (laughs) himself. And, and I think that's, what's needed, right? It's um, we talked about this at length before Chris, and I think this is a culmination of signs continuously pushing back on his team when he feels like they haven't made the right call. Whereas, you know, Charles sometimes gives in and, you know, we saw the, the, the results of that uh, this weekend, Um, his decision to pull back and maintain a 1.5 second gap to Norris was incredibly smart and a calculated gamble that paid off well for him Uh, for listeners that, you know, are tuning in. He essentially kept, Norris within a DRS range and when his team told him that there was a 1.5 second gap he tried to maintain that he could have just lost discipline and extended that gap even more but I think he understood really early on that if he were to do that then the Mercedes would overtake Norris and then subsequently himself so with the last few laps of the race which were probably the most exciting laps uh, of this season in my opinion um, he was able to keep those, you know, weary tires on the on the track, uh, and keep those Mercedes behind him. So absolutely, you know, hats off to Carlos Sainz, just incredibly deserved, well deserved uh, P one from him. Yeah, I mean, like you, you take uh, Carlos like the whole season. He's been trying to sort of be his own engineer at times in the cockpit, and has had. Uh, been basically telling the team what he wants to do and sometimes they agree or disagree and this time he took it into his own hands and just said i want to know what the distance is to lando every lap so that he could keep it within that drs range and singapore is an incredibly difficult track to pass on so as long as he has lando outside of a diveable distance from from the mercs then he could keep them uh because you know these guys don't want to crash trying to like lunge into Lando and take each other out um, while they're battling the, uh, the McLaren as well as themselves. And so Carlos was just brilliant in this execution 
on sort of like keeping Lando just far enough to where pass wasn't viable when there's really only a couple of very small passing points on the track. And even though he wasn't the fastest guy on track, he dictated the pace and it paid off and he absolutely deserves that P1 spot. Quick question, Chris. Do you think that Norris being behind Carlos Sainz was more advantageous for Carlos than if Leclerc was behind Carlos Sainz this weekend? I mean, absolutely. I think, I think, you know, because we both saw... of them were previously at McLaren together. They're, you know, notice noticeably friends off track. And you can feel some of that love, you know, in between the strategy uh, in this week's race. And I'm curious if you think that Charles would have probably, you know, had the same reaction as Norris if he would have played ball or if he would have tried to overtake uh, Carlos. Listen, I think I, I think a little bit of that plays into it. Listen, I mean, I think Lando. If he thought he could win a race, he would try to after after losing uh, in Sochi all those years ago and never really having the opportunity. I think he would go for the win, but with the, his tire degradation um, and his just pay, lack of pace, I don't think he was going to be able to pass the Ferrari uh, on merit. So I think he was happy to sort of play the, you know, the best bud team game to like secure the podium spot, because if he gets passed by George, he gets passed by Hamilton too. So I think he knew like his best spot was to get P2 and to hold the Mercs behind, and he's going to take that opportunity. And we saw in the previous race that Charles was willing to fucking put it to the test with Carlos, trying to pass him, trying to dive bottom him, and giving Fred Visser a heart attack. Uh, yeah, how like, they didn't crash still you know, goes above me. Right, so I think if Leclerc is in P2, um, which is where he probably should have been if there wasn't that double stack holding for traffic uh, pit stop that they had where he he lost a few places um, as well as you know kind of being forced to place the team game and drop a few seconds back creating a gap for Carlos I mean, listen, which Carlos... I think was also due to the fact that Mercedes double stacked and I think that was Mercedes strategy essentially impeding uh, what would have been an optimal strategy for Ferrari to get both of their drivers uh, double stacked. So I think that was a, a little bit of Mercedes plan, you know, almost disrupting what would have been the optimal uh, positioning for Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with that as well, but you know, there was a lot of uh 40 chess going on here between all the teams and ultimately, you know, Ferrari was able to, to not screw it up too badly and science took it in his own hands and, um, yeah, I think a few things fell in his favor, um, but it was a great race to watch and, uh, I'm happy for Carlos. I think he deserves uh, a few more wins in his book. Yeah. Something interesting to note about your perception of, uh, McLaren's speed versus Ferrari. And, you know, if we're just kind of, uh, play, you know, brainstorm this out a little bit more, Norris actually had a better straight line speed than George at a certain point. Uh, which allowed him to kind of keep positioning in front of uh, George and, and in front of Lewis. So who knows? It seemed like M McLaren had the straight line speed to get up to to Carlos. Uh, what I would probably assume is if Carlos didn't maintain that 1.5 second uh, gap for Norris to have DRS and, you know, keeping up that good faith, uh, if you were to extend it out, maybe try to make like a two, three second gap. Uh, first of all, his tires would have degraded a lot quicker, but I think that would have, 
indicated to Lando to race hard. And I think Lando might have even taken, you know, at least competed a lot closer to 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 Carlos and all that strategy would have just gone out the window. So really well timed, an incredible sim- symbiotic relationship between two different teams to keep the third one away. Um, you know, uh you would think that this was this was a race that that Red Bull would be involved in all the way in the front, but we'll talk about them a little bit more uh, in the segment. So let's turn our uh, attention real quick, Chris, to to Mercedes on the other end. If we were to rank team strategies this week, I I, I don't think it'd be unfair to say that Ferrari had the the best, uh, and Mercedes had it right after them. Um, you know, a couple of things here that that worked again against Mercedes, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Chris. So. Uh, in Julian Palmer's post-race uh, breakdown, he spots three different reasons for you know Mercedes potentially uh, kind of giving way to to Norris and to Signs. The first one is right at the start of the race. Hamilton has to give back two spots uh, because he had you know he had to go off track. He took over uh, Lando and George, uh, and and he was behind them before the breaking spot, so he had to give those back you know and turns out at the end of the race those were the two spots that he really needed yep. uh the, the interfighting between george and, and and lewis uh once the race was in the final laps uh that caused uh norris to be able to you know extend his lead a little bit more to the mercedes and then just a pure you know fact that hamilton had pace on those mediums and his car was a lot stickier than george's was his uh, racing lines were a lot um uh more optimal uh and i'm not entirely sure why the team i'm sure they have their reasons why the team didn't come in and kind of give orders to have hamilton pass uh russ and then potentially go fight uh norris and then have you know build that drs for russ to come at behind them they might have even gotten a p2 p3 or even a p1 p2 p1 p3 so those are three reasons that Julian Palmer pointed out, and I thought it was really, um, uh, really uh, astute, I guess, uh, in terms of really what went wrong for Mercedes. I'd love to hear from you, Chris. Do you think they should have kept uh, Russ where he was? Do you think they should have pulled him back a bit, let Hamilton go fight for it? What were your thoughts on Mercedes' strategy today? Um, first of all, so I just want to say that I think that I, I love the call to bring him in for the mediums. Um, they had so much pace on everybody else who were able to catch back up to the podium spots very quickly. And I think, um, you know, without Carlos's intuitive uh, intuition on, on how to keep them back with DRS, they would have potentially won to the race. Um, that being said, this is a really difficult uh, situation because uh, from a team standpoint, George did, out qualify Lewis, you know, P2 versus P5 in qualification. So George sort of earned the right, so, you know, so to speak, to be ahead of Lewis. And then on top of that, when we're having a four, a four-way battle, um, these, when we only have like five or six laps left, the, you know, the milliseconds, the hundreds, the tenths count so much. And swapping cars is very difficult to do so in such a clean way that you're not losing time. And so, I wanted, I think it was like, I think Lewis had the better shot of winning the race, but like swapping the cars could easily create such a gap that they can't make that up. Or, you know, a bad situation happens. They lose too much time. They crash into each other. 
So I don't know what the right call is here because Lewis did have more pace, but George deserved to be ahead because he just was. But ultimately, I do think that if Lewis had been ahead, we would have a different result. So it's a hard call to make. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean, I'm I'm glad Lewis ended up on the podium anyways because I think that's where he deserved to be. But uh, in, in the moment, I don't think as a team principal, you can just say, okay, George, you've had your two laps, like give it to Lewis because uh, I think it's a very difficult maneuver to execute on track. Yeah, I and, and I think that's what was also going through uh, Mercedes' strategies and leadership's heads is George earned the position and he qualified. Uh, you know, uh, he outqualified Lewis in um, in quali. So you definitely don't want to pull back on your driver at that point. Um, yeah. This goes into uh, even greater thought of what happens when Mercedes has an incredibly competitive car and they have two drivers that both want to, you know, chase the championship. Like, are there going to be guidelines and internal conversations that define D1, D2 and what happens in situations like this? Uh, Or do they just keep letting uh, the two drivers duke it out, which, you know, makes for some great racing and great content, but could ultimately, um, you know, shoot them in the foot. So let's turn our conversation real quickly to uh, my favorite rookie on track right now, uh, Liam Lawson. So uh, German outlet Auto Motor and Sports uh, recently reported that the AlphaTauri has decided to retain Yuki Tsunoda and expe- is expecting to offer him a contract extension in the coming days. Uh, and that they're also retaining Danny Ricardo, a fan favorite, um, which which is interesting. Uh, they have a three-way kind of gridlock uh, with drivers. Uh, there's not that many open seats left, um, especially given that um, uh, Zhou Guan Yu just got re-signed to, to what's Sauber now uh, or, you know, or will be Sauber. The seat that's still open is at Williams. Um, former F1 driver Karun Shanduk, you know, he went on to, to state that Liam Lawson uh, would be a, a great uh, candidate for that Williams seat alongside Alex Albon. So, Chris, I want to hear two things. One, what were your thoughts on Liam's race uh, in general and in context to his uh, rookie peers? And what does a world look like where Liam Lawson and Alex Albon are paired for 2024? And how many points do you think they'll get? Where do you think that they'll be? Uh, well, I'll start off by saying that I'm a huge Max Verstappen fan, but I was watching this race in the car on the way back from uh, a road trip from from Florida, and I had my AirPods in, and my wife was driving. And when Liam crossed the line uh, to knock Max Verstappen out of out of uh, Q2 in quality and, and put it in there, I like freaked out and almost caused an accident because my wife had no idea what was going on. But I was like, yes. Like, cause like I, I love watching underdog stories and just watching this rookie come in and, you know, take out the Red Bulls from, from Q3 for the first time. His and, parents love him. He loves his parents. I love yeah, that part. It's all that. It's all that. It's all happy feelings, but yeah, no watching Liam come in and just, you know, he's not very flashy, but he's like super consistent. He's a great driver. He reminds me a little bit of like Oscar, just like a cool, level-headed good ultimate racer and um i think 
he absolutely deserves uh you know a chance to be an f1 and so watching you know in his first points in this race like three races in and in not due to other people's lumbers just due to his good quality good race pace and staying out of trouble so um i really like the potential pairing of him at williams with alex i think if alpha tori does retain yuki and danny rick like replacing him with logan i think that would give us probably and i'd have to look back i think it would be one of the best f1 grids that we've ever had like in terms of like just overall quality like that would put liam lawson and Oscar Piastri and as the rookies, which you know we don't have any more. Uh, Gotifis, Nikita Mazapins, you know Nick DeVries, those kind of people, and then everyone else on the grid is either a former world champion or just a super solid future good driver. So we're the son a, of a billionaire, or the son of a oh my god, forgot about Mister Stroll, man. Yeah, well he wasn't in this race, so I forgot about we'll him. Talk about him soon. <laughs> but yeah no i think uh you know I, I i don't think i think liam deserves to either replace yuki replace danny or replace logan uh and not having him on the grid next year would be an absolute shame so super impressed by him in all three races he's been in and i think it'd be like i said a shame to not have him in in one of these seats yeah i mean the delta between alex albon and logan Sargent right now is incredibly large and when you're talking about Formula One as a product that you want to, you know, take globally and expand more and, and provide the best product possible to the customer, there is really no reason that this man shouldn't be on an F1 grid or, or, or F1 team. Um, I think Logan Sargent has had a chance to show, show what he's got. And even in this weekend's race, you know, he didn't finish and, you know, and it was all due to his own mistake, right? It wasn't even a huge crash. It was something that he ran into a wall after a turn and dragged his debris all the way across the track to to the pit lane. So it's just, you know, it's just really uh, uh, underwhelming, right? And and I think that's even worse than disappointing because uh, disappointing is, you know, Mick Schumacher, right? He had those incredibly outlandish crashes and at least it made for good TV, but, you know, this is just underwhelming. It's just like boring to watch. And in respects to Alex Albon, who's putting a really good Williams car, uh, you know, on showcase, it's just not, it's not acceptable. I feel like if you're trying to expand the sport and really be competitive against other sports in America that do really, really well. Um, I think having Liam Lawson on Williams will at least get them into I think they'll be in contention with Alpine for sure. I think they'll have two very capable drivers. They'll have, uh, you know, James Val's team, and then they'll have that car that they're going to iterate on for next year, which is a really good foundation right now. Uh, and I also think with um, kind of the 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 lapse in performance and expected uh, improvements from Alpine, you know, between that and the rise of Williams this year, they'll probably net out at the same place next year if they were to take on Liam Lawson and, and lose Logan Sargent. Uh, that's just kind of my thoughts there. I think Logan Sargent can, you know, step down into another like practice driver or something at another team. Uh, I, th I think he still has some more development left to do, 
But if you have someone like Liam Lawson, someone like Oscar Piastri, who are fully baked, essentially, I, I would love to, it would be a shame to to not see them on the grid and, and potentially, you know, lose any potential opportunities due to something like this. Yeah, uh, you, so I, you put, you put um, Liam Lawson in his first race, is Zandvoort, difficult track, it's raining, complicated, the safety cars, there's rain on, rain off, enters, never driven on before, and he's improved over all three races that he's been in. He's he's uh, shown like small bits of improvement. He went from almost making points to even closer to then making points, and Logan's had, you know, the better part of a season and he's not only not shown improvement, it's just kind of the same, like you said, sort of disappointment, boring to watch. And, um, you know, like when he was dragging his his wing around the track, I was almost, it almost felt embarrassing because I was like, you're causing, like, debris. This is going to ruin somebody else's race because you can't control the car into a turn, um, which it ultimately did. Uh, or, like, I know Alonzo had, like, debris stuck in his wing and, I think other people had issues. So, like, I, I just, like you said, he needs to probably find another way to to better himself, to get himself up to speed if he wants another chance and an F1 seat. But he just doesn't seem to be improving enough to, to continue on next year. If we had seen some more improvement and, like, little glimmers of hope of him being able to perform really well, and I could see extending his contract, but if they do it over Liam, then I think that would be a shame. I mean, he could cascade down to Haas, which would be a, a match made in mediocrity heaven, right? It would be <laughs> an American team, quote unquote, with an American driver. And, you know, both of them are kind of in similar standings in terms of where the car is at and where the driver's at. Uh Nico and and K Mag are extended through through just next year, right, Chris? I, I think. They yeah. have one-year contracts, so so it could easily be a plug-and-play where those two, one of them, write out their contracts through next year, and then they turn to Logan, who hopefully by then has had some shots of of showing, you know, what he's his improvements have been. So I can definitely see that being um, uh, a realistic future, but I definitely think above all, Liam Lawson should be in an F1 car permanently for 2024. He deserves it. He deserves it. Um, cool. Let us turn to your favorite team, Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things happened this weekend. Uh, so they're affected by the traction and the heat uh, that that Singapore inherently has. Uh, I think there are some uh, rule updates to 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 raise the the rear uh, part of the car, which also caused them to. Uh, lose a little bit of that downforce that's famously been their 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 bread and butter this year. That's kept them in front. Uh, weren't able to make it back in the in the practice section. So, uh, so a lot of things working against Red Bull this week. Um, before I get into some of the other pieces of their race, I'd love to just kind of hear your initial thoughts on what went wrong this week. What uh, what do you think they could have done better? Uh, any general thoughts? I'd love to just hear from you as a fan. Yeah, I mean. Like obviously I love Red Bull and I wanted to continue seeing history get made. Um, although, you know, we had already hit that 10 race mark, so I, I was fine with either outcome. Uh Red Bull had already sort of predicted that Singapore would be their Achilles heel 
from the start of the season. Um, you know, they they felt street tracks were their sort of weak link, and Singapore is notoriously very different from other tracks. So I think that they anticipated to have issues, although the issues probably were a little bit larger for them than anticipated. And that's probably due to that TD, as you talked about the regulation update. So, but um, it was kind of interesting to see them struggle so much. They were sliding around the track. They couldn't get the balance, right. They were uh, making changes from each practice session into quality and just kind of looked a little sloppy, uh, very uncharacteristic of them. But, and, and Max was obviously furious coming out of, uh, uh, quality and getting knocked out but then I watched some of his post uh, quality interviews and he seems very level-headed about it and not that upset and just sort of expected and they were asking him if he was going to fight for the win he's like no I'm just no shot at me winning this race it's no big deal so that you know that kind of surprised me that he kept level-headed after he's notorious for being a hothead but um, you know ultimately I think Max had a much better race than Sergio and if the safety cars had aligned a little bit better for them, I actually think Max could have probably pushed on for a podium. Who knows? But, you know, taking it P11 to P5 was already impressive enough, considering they couldn't get their car um, in that sweep spot. But he seemed to have a good last stint on the mediums, just like Mercedes. Yeah, that first VSC really threw them for really threw a wrench in their race today. It really extended the lead that the front runners had already on them. So there was really no way for Max to uh, make up that delta, even just on pure pace. So definitely a couple of things went sideways for them. Uh, you know, again, Singapore is a hard track to overtake on anyway. So uh, definitely something that I don't foresee being an issue going into the next couple of races. Uh, to finish out the season, but I guess this was like a uh, a perfect storm for them. So a couple of things I want to touch on here, Chris. So there there are three summons uh, from the stewards uh, for Red Bull this week, uh, and 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 no penalties. Um, just kind of reading some quotes here. So while Verstappen was handed a reprimand for impeding Sonoda at Singapore Grand Prix. No AlphaTauri representative was required to be at the FIA hearing over the matter. Um, and and the, and the three things that they were talking about was uh, Verstappen stopping in the pit lane, impeding Logan Sargent, and then impeding Sonoda in quali. Um, all of which would, you know, be contested if it was probably another team. But the fact that there was no AlphaTauri representative to kind of speak on their behalf or, you know, uh, really you know uh, stand up for them it the concern here is that the child team of a parent team is going to inherently have the interest of the parent team uh you know in mind and potentially even facilitate the parent team's success in certain instances which could be an unfair advantage uh i'd love to get your thoughts on this chris what do you think do you think this is uh just you know, uh, haters hating, or do you think there's actually some credence to this? Um, I'm glad you brought this up because in the moment, um, I was actually speaking with uh, Sam on this, and we were both a little bit furious. Like, as much as I love Red Bull, like I don't want to see favoritism in the sport, um, and I don't want to. I mean, Max is already, you know, P11 or whatever he was. Like, I don't want to see, um them not giving him a penalty just to see to try to continue to watch another win or have a good television 
So I definitely think the whole Alfatari incident was a slam dunk penalty and probably deserved it. And the reason why he didn't is because the sister team probably said like, you know, it's like in American football where the other team rejects the penalty because, you know, they they have a better outcome uh, by rejecting the penalty than not. Like, so I th- I definitely think that that's kind of what happened in here. The pit lane incidents were a little bit different because, um, you know, GP had his little fake lawyer moment where he's like, oh, yeah, Max, Max, the car looks good now. You can go. And it's like, you know, it's, it's tough to argue like the he said, she said incident in the pit lane. Like Max can say, oh, yeah, the car was not working and I couldn't get it going. And then GP said the thing he did over the radio. So, you know, what can you do? So. But yeah, that's Sonoda incident. Definitely, you know, impeding on track. Of course, there's a lot of traffic, a lot of things, a lot of issues. But ultimately, I definitely think three summons, no penalties is a little sketch. So I think it's something to look at in the future. But we've had definitely other incidents with other teams get slam dunk penalties over much less. So I, I don't like it. But at the end of the day, um. You know, it is what it is. I, I just, I, I definitely don't like the little, the, the brother sister relationship team in terms of unfavorable advantages. And uh, I hope we can find a solution for that in the future. Yeah, it really shines a light on the stewards' inconsistencies. Like you mentioned, they've called, they've called this for for Leclerc, for for Pierre Gasly, for Sonoda himself, in in, in races just this year. Uh, so. If, the fact that they let three slide, um, it's a it's a little uh, unnerving, and even if you take a look at Checo's race, so you know he makes contact with Sonoda into turn five in in on one of the laps, uh, he you know he doesn't commit to the turn beforehand, and then he kind of just bumps into Sonoda, and then he again bumps into Alex Albon, and and he only gets a five second penalty for it, but takes Albon out of the points because now Albon has to go into reverse, which takes forever, and by that time, he's already been passed up by three or four other uh, drivers. Uh, obviously, this happened to Lewis, where he got a five-second penalty a couple of races ago, but was able to make up pace uh, on Alex Albon just on pure race pace. So, you know, calls into question, is a five-second penalty enough? Uh, should there be a revised penalty for situations like this? But, you know, even when you're not looking at Max, you know, Checo also made several contacts in 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 today uh, in this weekend's race, uh, which didn't seem to really cause any kind of discernible issues for them. They were still able to place in the points. So, you know, P five and P eight outcomes not too bad considering that they didn't even get into Q three, right? Right. And I think if these, uh, if even two of these were administered to to them, you know, in a in a more punitive fashion uh they would have been uh, i would think out of points i think liam lawson and some of these other racers would have been higher up i think you know k mag would have been number like p8 p9 that would have been crazy um but definitely something to to consider going forward is what happens to this child parent relationship Uh, i know williams has that to a certain extent with mercedes but you know not to the extent that that red bull has with with alpha so you know, does this mean that AlphaTauri should divest and and or Red Bull should divest AlphaTauri and sell it off to uh to to another company like an Andretti? Uh, I don't know. I I just think that this is again it just kind of mars the 
the the experience for for viewers and for fans what's definitely uh, going to get oh sorry uh yeah, no, no, go I, was, I was gonna say it's definitely going to get more interesting next year after helmets comments a few uh weeks ago that you know alphatar is going to rebrand and they want uh to get as far away as they can from alphatori creating their own car and to do everything they can within the regulations to copy the red bull car so we might have a much more competitive alphatori team next year with whatever the new name is and it'll be really interesting to see this child you know or or you know child parent relationship of a team if they're competing for podiums and getting in the way so I'm curious what sort of the quote unquote team orders will be and what the favoritisms will be when, you know, this team is maybe potentially putting it against Red Bull. So, uh, uh, yeah, right. I'm curious what happens when Vegas gets involved. Um, Naturally, the expansion of a lot of these sports franchises and leagues are dependent on online gambling now, you know, even, even, ESPN NFL drafting and 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 fantasy leagues once started off you know without any kind of money attached to them they're honestly just you know to to get people to to watch more football and and more basketball more baseball and then all of a sudden there's a skew to them uh, now you know with DraftKings and MGM and all these like online betting platforms which you need to legitimize your your sport in, in in ways that there is no question if there's wrongdoing right you know i think once vegas starts getting more involved i mean they're the inaugural race is there this year so to think that the higher ups at at f1 uh is not bumping elbows with you know those those leaders at mgm and uh, you know at like those kinds of betting platforms i you know i i think that'd be naive to not think that that's where they're headed you know in the next couple of years with this ag- aggressive expansion and along with that does come a lot of scrutiny into your sport and and ownership and and what the relationships are especially when it's only 10 teams you know so so i'd be very curious to see how expansion into you know the american market which along you know comes along with betting and sports gambling is going to affect um the rules around can a company own you know can one racing company essentially own another one uh and 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 have that called into question uh zach brown's on record uh he thinks the team's going to be back at the top uh red bull you know meaning red bull uh, at the top of the weekend in Japan, he's expecting their Singapore uh, performance uh, was just an anomaly uh, and, and you know, not the norm. So he, you know, coming from Zach Brown, trusted source, I believe him. Uh, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> do you think Red Bull is uh, this is a cause for concern or do you think it's just a quick stutter step in a otherwise pristine um, uh, season? I think we're going to see Max win the rest of them. So I definitely think they're going to be back on top. I think this was just a track that they knew that they were going to struggle with. Um, if you're going to design a car to win races and you know that you're going to have one weak link, you're going to just take that loss and and win the rest of them. Um, either way, it's I, no matter what happens for the rest of the season, it the, the, the writing's on the wall. Like Max would have to DNF the rest of the season to have any chance of losing the championship. So I think, you know, within the next race or two, we're going to have, the constructors and the drivers locked up. So 
even though I do think that Max will be back on top, you know, the the history books are written. We're not going to have that perfect season. We're not going to get to like 11, 12, 13 wins in a row. So the only thing left is to get those two trophies. And I think that's already locked up. So um, I, I do think that they will be back on top, but I'm more excited about, you know, Bahrain 2024 and seeing where everyone's going to stack on top against Red Bull at that point. Yeah, I think this is just uh, a blip on the map. I think this is not going to be something that they should be concerned about going into the next couple of races. Uh, I think they'll course correct. Uh, I don't see Max having two back-to-back blunders uh, of a weekend. And, um, you know, I can't say the same for for Checo, but, you know, (laughs) I think that he'll actually be back in contention and definitely going to be in... in, uh, in Q3 of qualifying for sure at the very least. All right, let's uh let's talk about winners, losers and hot seats. Who do you have for your winners this week, Chris? Uh, I mean, I think we're going to be pretty aligned here. I think uh, you know, super happy for Carlos, smooth operator, like getting a win in this season when Red Bull has won 100% of every race so far this year was an amazing task and feat. Um super happy and I hope that we do see a little bit more um, I, you know, imagine that picture at the end of the race and the last like, you know, 10 laps or so we have two Mercs, a McLaren and uh, a Ferrari. And imagine if Red Bull was in that mix, too. And we just had five, you know, four or five different teams battling for wins at most of the races. I'd be super excited to have that. So, yeah, Carlos was able to pull it off and uh, did a great job. Super happy for him. And then. You know, I your favorite racer of the year, Liam Lawson. Like, what a debut! Points in his third race, can't get any better than that. And like we said, I hope he gets the seat signed. And then, just super happy for Norris to continue, uh, push putting the McLaren uh, up on the podium. I do think he'll eventually get a win, uh, unlikely this year, but, um, yeah, uh, those are going to be my three winners for today. Nice. I'm right there with you. Uh, all three of them are on my top uh, winner circle. Uh, I can't say enough about Liam Lawson. I'm incredibly excited to see his uh, growth as a racer. Uh, incredibly excited to see what team he lands on. Uh, I also think Williams is deserving of him just as much as he is deserving of, a, of just a seat in general. Uh, and I think Alex Albon is deserving of a partner who really facilitates his success who actually pushes him more than you know his last few uh driver driver pairings so uh definitely all on board with you i have lando norris up there as well uh, i'm gonna add kmag to the mix uh you know just uh qualified well this week i think he came in at uh you know, P6 for quality and then finished at P10 and got some points in there. Uh, all, although it was due to the fact that Esty uh, Bestie and Valtteri, Yuki and Lance all, you know, either didn't finish or just wasn't even in contention. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm still going to give him the W. I think he really needs it after the season that he's had, especially where we thought Nico was kind of uh, overtaking him uh, more and more each week. So, Good stuff from KMAG this week, uh, especially on a track where a lot of the cars were, you know, seemed like they were uh, skating on ice uh, at certain points. Um, for losers, uh, I'll start with losers. So I'm going to put Red Bull uh, as my as my losers for the week. Uh, again, an anomaly like Zach Brown said, but not 
very often that I get to put them in this um in this <laughs> box. So I'm yep. really gonna relish it. So losers. Losers. Red Bulls. Um also gonna put Yuki Sonoda in there. I would have put Yuki in the hot seat, but then after kind of you know, really the 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 report from from uh that came out saying that he's gonna get his contract extended. I I upgraded him to just losers. Uh, tough to see the guy. Uh, you know, have another week where he's not able to race. Uh, just a you know a blunder from 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 Perez, and and it really cost Yuki at the end of the day. So, uh, second week in a row, he's not able to show his stuff. Uh, George Russell. I'm not gonna say too much more on the kid. I feel bad for him. He clipped that last piece of the Qatar sign uh going into the turn <laughs> he followed uh Norris's racing line and Norris clipped it but not enough to spin him out and then Russ hits it and you know he spins completely out uh you could hear the frustration in his voice uh almost the same exact tone as Esteban Ocon SD had a pretty damn good race going into um uh pretty much the whole race until his car just stopped so uh same same energy um different drivers it and then, reminded me of that that charles leclerc moment from early in the year which is like no like just hearing the complete utter disbelief and frustration of your race ending um after such a good performance definitely definitely hard i don't know if it's just because they bleep out everything or they edit it but no wouldn't be the first thing that comes to mind when i would crash i think also, i have a lot of four letter words that would be much more satisfying i definitely feel like there we've heard some beep 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 beeps on the on the broadcast but the one thing that does surprise me is if you've seen an f1 steering wheel there's definitely a button to talk so are these guys crashing and then pushing the button just to yell into the radio are they like hold on i need everyone to know that i'm fucking pissed no no (laughs) it's like guys yeah i mean prima donnas right (laughs) yeah Yeah. I mean, you know, but, but I'll tell you who's not a prima donna, Fernando Alonso. He went down fighting without saying a damn word. Uh, <laughs> tough week for Alonso. I think he just threw the threw the hat after a certain while, uh, you know, just didn't even get near points. This is his first, uh, first one of the year. So definitely a tough race for him. Tough week for Aston Martin. Um, yeah, those are going to round up my losers. Who do you got, Chris? Yeah, uh, nobody different than you. Um uh, I would have paid money. Uh, you you know that like George has rubbed me the wrong way ever since uh, ever since his crash with Valtteri at Imola a few years ago. Um, I'm 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 warming up to him slightly, but I would have paid money for his race engineer to come over the radio and say, "What happened? You were forecast for a podium." <laughs> hey, who's to say that someone didn't say that? I would. They just probably it. didn't press the button. Yeah, just didn't press the button. Uh, that would have been hilarious. But yeah, no, Red Bull as well. Um, definitely a really tough weekend for them. And um, like I ultimately I feel worse for Yuki just because this is, like you said, the second race in a row that he hasn't been able to do anything. He's sort of DNF on the first lap or first couple of laps. And uh, I don't know if you saw Yuki's car, actually. Everyone thought that he just got a puncture. Or that like the bump, something happened, but there was a picture of Yuki's car where the entire side of the floor was missing. So his collision with Sergio, it's shocking to me that Sergio's car wasn't destroyed as well. 
given how much damage was actually on Yuki's car. He was missing basically the right side of his car. So unfortunate for him. And not only is it unfortunate to miss two races in a row, but it's it's super unfortunate to miss these races while he's sort of on the testing ground against Liam Lawson and Danny Rick. You're not even able to sort of prove yourself uh, because if he goes out there and super outperforms Liam, then it kind of makes Liam look a little worse. But also, maybe it's a little lucky that he's DNFing and not finishing 17th behind a point scoring Liam. So it, it's hard. It's hard to judge. But yeah, it sucks that your race keeps ending so early due to other people's uh, issues of your car breaking down. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I get the sense that he's shown enough. Yeah. Uh, for for Red Bull leadership to to consider him staying, and like I mentioned in the last episode, I just didn't see them letting Danny Rick go, especially after everything that they did to kind of get him in seat after all of the the marketing that went around him as well. You know, I just didn't think that they let him go after something like this. So uh, it's funny to see where the ruthlessness ends uh, for for Red Bull uh, and where their limits are there. Yep. All right, let's talk about hot seat. Who do you who do you have in your hot seat this week? Got to be Lance Stroll. I mean, I know we've talked about him ad nauseum, but what is this? You know, what is the future for this guy? Like, we keep getting um, blurbs from like my crack and other people that defend him wholeheartedly. That like, oh, we just haven't given him the car, and you know, it's just very obvious that uh, you know he's been in F one a long time, so like. He's had years and years to develop and improve. And these mistakes that he keeps making are very, you know, they're kind of amateurish mistakes. Like he was obviously a little trying to push the car a little too hard, trying to pick up pace that he just can't control, which ultimately led to a very crazy crash. It was very actually similar to uh, Senna's crash um, and Imola, the, the, the same sort of losing of the control, smashing at the wall losing the entire uh either left or right side of the car i can't remember yeah so like you know without modern safety technology lance could have potentially lost his life in that accident and the onboard showed his head like whipped around pretty violently and so i understand why he didn't race but like at the end of the day you know we're not going to get a championship drive out of him and so as long as his dad wants to keep putting him in the seat just to go around the track and occasionally score some points, that's that's their prerogative. Um, but ultimately, like, I'm going to keep putting him in the hot seat until they get rid of him. Yeah, uh, he's also on my hot seat this week. Uh, terrible looking crash, terrible crash himself, uh, both from a safety perspective, but also from a sal- salvageability perspective. I don't think the engineers had anywhere near enough time to get that car fixed and back on track. Um, I mean, you know, he's a good driver. Uh, like if you consider like all the other buy-in drivers, like he's not the worst, sure. but he's still a buy-in driver that is not putting a car that has a lot of potential uh, in the places that it needs to be or that it's expected to be, um, especially 
given the fact that the the stable of talented drivers is is starting to grow i think even more so than than last year chris is like we're starting to see new faces that are actually legitimate and maybe some some slightly older faces like alex albon really coming into their own and even people like yuki that you can see has uh, some forward momentum going for them uh but i don't see any of that for lance i just see him kind of going in circles and you know essentially just putting uh, a hole in the, in the, in the budget. So definitely on, on, on the same page as you, I, I just don't see how much longer he has on this team. Uh, and that's not in a bad way, not to say like, Oh, he's going to leave like, or he's going to be ousted. I seriously just don't know because his dad could just keep bankrolling uh, his, his seat and, and no one would be able to kind of say otherwise. So, you know, a weird situation to be in uh again curious to see how vegas would affect something like this right uh can owners of companies just buy seats for their for their kids you know it's 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 definitely something that that impedes competition i feel like sure oh. uh i also got logan Sargent on the hot seat to me he is a more uh he is on a hotter seat than lance stroll uh especially given the scenario that's kind of transpiring around him, even though he is at Williams, just kind of the recent reports of, of Liam potentially talking to Williams, you know, puts another, uh, definitely puts another stake in, 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 in the coffin for, for uh Sergeant. I don't think he's going to be able to redeem himself, uh, especially not this year. I don't think he's going to be able to redeem himself top of next year. Uh, I do think that, seat deserves a deserve like a, a good driver because that williams car is in a good place now um it looks like you also have him on your hot seat chris he actually changed my hot seat a little bit in this conversation because you know initially it was just lance and then really put two and two together that that sergeant deserved it to be in the hot seat we just talked earlier about how just how much he hasn't approved throughout the the season and just how these simple mistakes you know, after the better half of the year in F1, you shouldn't just be making very minor mistakes um, constantly. And so I definitely think that uh, as much as James puts faith into him and I, I think that you need to lose that faith at some point and realize that, you know, there's all these other drivers who have much more raw talent that are like waiting on the sidelines for a seat. And when you only have 20 of them, um, it's, you know, it's time to give it to someone. And Hey, if the FAA does improve approved Andretti's application and they do get a seat, you know, there's, there's another opportunity for Sergeant to like race with an American team and see where he can go. But ultimately when we have these 20 seats and we know that there's the Liam Lawson's of the world, like waiting in the wings, uh, and potentially others as well that you know are winners of F2 or people that are racing now on the sidelines. I just don't think that you can give uh, a non improving rookie a multiple years uh test drive. Yeah, I mean, nothing more for me to say there. I, I completely agree with you. I think that there are now more deserving people to be in seats. Um, I think a year is more than enough time to, pr- to prove yourself. Um, and if you don't pull the plug at a certain point, you know, then it's just the onus is on Williams, right? Right. 
All right, so let's let's uh let's outro here, Chris. So um we are gonna be uh in Japan in um next week. Not us, but the F one drivers will and we'll be watching <laughs> from afar. Uh who are your predictions for, for next week? Um yeah, I think Max is gonna be back on top. Um I definitely think that it was a blunder, but uh for for one week, but I don't have enough faith in Sergio to keep putting it on the, the podium as much as you might, but um, I also like, I don't think Carlos is going to win another race this season, although he's definitely shown enough ability and promise to, but, uh, I think he'll make another podium. So I want to put him on the podium and then like that raw pace out of Hamilton. Um, I, I definitely think he has the ability to put up there. So those are the three guys I want to put, put up there on the podium. And I think that's what we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I have something similar. I have, uh, Verstappen, Sainz and Perez, uh, topping out my uh, podiums. Uh, listen, I think Checo is still in a Red Bull car. That's true. Uh, and and it's gonna take a lot for me to. It's gonna take consecutive weeks of failure for me to be convinced <laughs> that that some other car is gonna be able to to top them. Uh, I think just based on the momentum that Carlos has picked up, and you know the the speed that Ferrari actually has. Um. Uh, optimistically, I'm hoping that he'll be able to kind of position himself into into the the top three, and I think I don't think Max is going to allow himself to you know come back and and have another disappointing week. So definitely see him back in the top uh top of the pack. So yeah, Verstappen, Signs, and and Perez uh, are going to be my top three. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looking forward to it. Japan's always a good good race and tough technical track. So, um, yeah. It'd definitely be exciting to see what happens if Red Bull will get back on top or if we're going to have a bigger shakeup for the rest of the season. Yeah, excited to see it. All right, Chris, you want to take us out? Yeah, man, guys, if you enjoy listening to us as much as uh, George Russell likes looking at himself topless in the mirror, then please do, you know, give us a like, give us a comment, give us a uh, a review, and we'd love to hear, as we've you know mentioned every week, we just want to engage the conversation with the fans. Please leave us feedback as much as you can. You can comment on your platform of choice or email us at fanteamradio at gmail.com. But otherwise, you know, we look forward to uh, continuing to bring you this uh, coverage of these races and, and future more conversations together. Yep, everyone. We'll be right here for Japanese Grand Prix on the 24th. Until then, everyone be well. Goodbye. See you guys.